When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Citizens of Lorcana podcast, a podcast where we invite you to be a part of their world. We're your host, Jared and James, and today we are talking about all things Disney. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Hey everyone, welcome, welcome to another week. Last pod, we talked about competitive play with our first guest, Mark Wooden. And this week, we are talking about the wonderful world of Disney. The inspiration for this is because of a little trip you took, James. That's right. I went on a Disney cruise. How fun. Yeah, uh, it was just a short one uh, down to Ensenada out of San Diego on the Disney Wonder. Had a blast. Uh, it was a nice little vacation, but way too short. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've been on a cruise before, but I've never been a Disney. I've never been on a Disney cruise. What was that like? Uh, well, the rooms are bigger. Uh, the characters are all over the boat, and it's just like it just feels like Disney on a boat, basically. So it was awesome. Uh, you know, they do uh, greeting things with all the characters. A big like show on the on the deck. And they do pirate night and they do fireworks and they have uh, Broadway style shows, including Frozen. So, I mean, it was just, you could meet characters like pretty much all day long. Um, you know, just it's a, very, a variety of places on the ship. So, I mean, it was just, it was just awesome just walking around and having it be Disney themed. You know, nothing's going to go too crazy. You know, there's not like gambling or anything. <laughs> so, I mean, it was just nice. Lots of families there. Yeah, lots of families. So was there like a outline of a schedule you're supposed to follow? Or is it just like you hit this if you wanted to? Uh, it was there was a schedule for when things were happening, like trivias and, you know, towel folding and the characters were coming out on a schedule. But you basically unless you signed up for something in advance that was at a specific time, it was just do what you want. Did you say towel folding? You know how in hotels and on cruises, especially they, they fold your towels to be like little creatures like elephants and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. They actually uh, have classes during cruises to show you how to do that. (laughs) Did, did you do it? Did not did a couple of trivias and did horribly, uh, (laughs) got like half right in, in both the the Disney and the Marvel trivia. Wow. I thought I would do a lot better on the Marvel one. And I still got like 15 out of 25. So incredible. I need to work on, I need to watch a lot more stuff, (laughs) more Disney jeopardy in your future. That's right. And (laughs) well, more stuff is, is basically what we have in mind with, uh, with this week's. So that segues perfectly into what we wanted to talk about this week, because as of three days ago, from the time of this recording, which was January 27th, it is the 100 year anniversary of Disney. And today we wanted to talk about all things Disney. And today I wanted you to take the lead on this, James. All right. So what I wanted, what I was thinking with this is we would just go through a bunch of our Disney favorites and the Lorcana connection really is 
well, I mean, Lorcana is all about Disney, and right now it's only about Disney animated, but this is kind of like what we love about Disney and kind of just going through with uh, basically like as our own version of the celebration of 100 years of Disney, it's our versions of what we're celebrating about Disney with us. And I think we would, we should kick it off with what character, what Disney character is your favorite character? And I'm going to kick it off with, and I'll, I'll preface this with, I am horrible with favorites. I have a really hard time picking favorites unless something like is way above everything else. So I tend to like, well, my favorite is like these three things. <laughs> it's like asking who your favorite child is. Yeah. So in, in my opinion, and I think we're just going to stick with some classic stuff, mostly in this, we'll, we'll do some modern stuff, but for classic, it's going to be either Goofy or Donald. And I think Goofy edges out Donald a little bit. Why, why, why Goofy? I just, growing up his short, the shorts he was in, he was always the funnest and funniest character. And, you know, things like, um, I remember one, you know, obviously the fishing one, but the one where he was trying to set up his uh, home entertainment system, (laughs) you know, it's just stuff like that. Just like, I love watching stuff like that. So I love the ones with the, where he's doing like sports and there's the person narrating. Yes. (laughs) Yes. The sports one was awesome too. And one of my favorite ever cartoons is the one where they are um, traveling with a camper and like Mickey's like cooking breakfast in it and Goofy's driving. And basically they get separated and hijinks ensue and there's all this craziness and just little things like that where, you know, just little, little shorts like that, where the, the characters are just, it's just an awesome little thing for seven minutes. So, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible <laughs> just watching the characters, but yeah, Goofy, Donald, of course, Mickey, but I think Goofy stands out. It's just being hilarious. Most of the time. takes me back. And I know exactly the episode you're talking about. So for mine, um, I have to ask, does Oswald count? Well, Disney created him, and he is currently owned by the Walt Disney Company. Okay. So I think Oswald counts. I So people who follow me on Twitter or in the Discord know that I love Oswald. And I think the reason why I love him so much is because I went through a phase where I read just about every biography on Walt Disney and watched all the documentaries. And it was just so cool that Walt had created this other character who kind of propelled him to fame, but then he got lost and kind of forgotten. And then um, shortly after there was that deal where uh, Disney traded Al Michaels, the That's sports my broadcaster thing, right to uh, ESPN. No, they traded him to universal. Yeah. Universal. Yeah. Universal. In exchange for the Walt Disney created Oswald cartoons. Isn't that crazy? They <laughs> traded a person for a cartoon. And then they came out. Yes, that is very crazy. And then they came out with uh, the Epic Mickey uh, video games, which I absolutely love. Well, I just played the first one. But it's so cool going into this world of forgotten Disney characters. And I think that's why I like it so much is Oswald's like the forgotten older brother of Mickey. Oswald paved the way for Mickey. So Right. That's that's why I'm going with Oswald, and I'd love to see my rabbit get his day. Yes, that would be pretty awesome having Oswald show up. Uh, so, leading from characters into that, let's talk about animated movies. And across the sixty, is it sixty-one films now from Walt Disney Animation Studios over uh, almost ninety years? Incredible. Uh, what do you think? Is, well, what's your favorite? <laughs> I had to go with Hercules. I grew up during the uh, golden age. I don't know. During the 90s when they had Little Mermaid and Aladdin and Lion King. But Hercules is the one that stood out to me. I just really resonated with the story of Hercules who went from this nobody to all of a sudden having these amazing powers and yet still staying humble. I mean, he obviously had that period where he thought that he'd done enough to return back to his family. Um, but he was able to bring him back down. And for some reason, that hero's journey really resonated with me. Yeah, I actually did not watch Hercules until like a few years ago, believe it or not. <laughs> I was in the middle of working and whatever else was taking up my time. Maybe when I was, I think that was around, that was like 96, right? 
I was a kid. Probably. Uh, it was that late was 90s. around the time that I think I, I think that was around the time when I was just starting up owning a comic book store and I was a little busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, that the, Dis- the official Disney name for that period, I think is the Renaissance. Yeah, that's right. Uh, because that's when uh, after the, I guess you could call it kind of the dark times of animation at Disney during the, the, the late mid late eighties, all through the eighties, maybe there was some good stuff, but it wasn't like classic. Right. Um, but I am going to have to go with, again, I have very much difficult time picking a favorite, but I'm going to have to go with uh, 101 Dalmatians. Uh, that one just comes to my mind from when I watched it as a child in theaters. And um, it was obviously it was on, I think it was on a re-release because uh, I mean, I saw lots of Disney movies on re-releases, but I'd also want a secondary Robin Hood. And if you were going to go with modern stuff, Frozen, definitely at the top. Uh, that one is just love that movie from the instant. I first time I saw it. Robin Hood is such a good movie. And I feel like it's been one of those ones that has been forgotten with time. It's weird because there are some people who like, I know I have a friend who collects everything Robin Hood and loves Robin Hood. And it's like, they know everything about it. And, <laughs> but you know, 10 other people would be like, yeah, I, I think they made a Robin Hood, right? But there was such so. a cool, like the characters were so cool from Friar John to Little John to Prince. There's a lot of Johns in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> to Maid Marian, the rooster dude. It was just, they had some, they had a really good cast. Yeah. And the one a good thing story. going through this lit when we were going through, when I was going through the list. Uh, so we, uh, but my wife and I started a uh, Disney rewatch and we are only up to um, what was the last one we watched? Was it Cinderella? And then no, Alice in Wonderland was the mm. last one I think we watched. And just seeing all these movies coming up that I'm going to be able to watch again, or some of them actually for the first time, it's just like, I can't wait to see them. I want to get to all of these. <laughs> I'm the same way as I look at these cards. I'm like, I should go watch that. Yeah, I know, right? Um, so now to one of the newer things is Pixar. Uh, and what is your favorite Pixar movie? This was a really hard one because the thing that I love about Pixar is, <laughs> I don't know if they do this on purpose. They like test it or whatever, but it always plays on your emotions. Mm-hmm. And I... Am somebody that has leaky eyes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and Inside Out is the one that does it for me. I was going to go with Up, especially for that beginning sequence, but uh, I had to go with Inside Out. That part where Riley uh, comes home and she hugs hugs it out with her family. That part always gets me. But it's such a good message and such a relatable message anybody who has grown up (laughs) can relate with the journey that riley has gone through yeah and and like you said uh leaky eyes at like 95 percent of pixar's movies because they just (laughs) know how to write characters that resonate with most everybody it's it's kind of amazing um i picked uh incredibles uh mainly because uh, it was the best Fantastic Four movie that's not a Fantastic Four. And I'm hoping we get an actual good Fantastic Four movie. But it, again, it was the characters. It was just a really good movie that had great characters and would have been, I mean, it already was a blockbuster, but would have been, I think a lot of people may have paid more attention to it if it was live action and could have totally been a live action movie. Um, but just being Pixar, they just made it so good. And I will say just because of, uh, I don't know why that one hits, but Brave also hits with uh, the movie for that one. It's just, I really love that one too. I mean, how how can you not pick like Toy Story or Toy Story 2 or, you know, any of the other Pixar movies, essentially? It was tough. They were tough. The only one that, yeah, the only one that was a miss for me, and that one was just like, the good dinosaur right the the good dinosaur (laughs) yeah that one was just so weird but i mean it was i don't know if good was the word but it was definitely entertaining and just i didn't hate it it just wasn't 
a good like it wasn't a Pixar. It wasn't up to their yeah. normal level of yeah. of quality. I think I think maybe they they maybe they might have rushed it a little bit because normally they can find the thing that's not working in the story and fix it. And I just think they maybe they didn't have chance to fix it. That seems like what it was to me, but it's still, I mean, we just watch it the one time and okay, we watched that one. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're going to move on to live action movies. And this one was difficult for me. Um, so I picked, instead of a movie, I picked an era and the era of the late sixties through some of the seventies with, um, Dean Jones and Kurt Russell, um, and uh, I, I can't remember his name right now, but the absent-minded professor, uh, the guy who was in My Three Sons. But those movies, like The Computer Who Wore Tennis Shoes and That Darn Cat and uh, <laughs> The Cat from Outer Space, and all of those movies where it was like they were super cheesy half the time, but they were so much fun. And I grew up on those. And so all of those movies in that era, I would pick almost any one of those as this is, I mean, the million dollar, was it? The million dollar duck. I mean, the shaggy DA, so many movies. Uh, could you imagine if they came out with movies like that these days, these days, it's all about the mega blockbuster right. movie. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I, I wish they would keep it. I mean, you know what, honestly on Disney plus there have been a few, I was just noticing their, um, they have come out with some like the, was it the, squirrel one fiona or something like that and the squirrel and uh timmy i can't remember his name it came out when disney plus did but it was like the disaster timmy disaster or something like that those are like really kind of mid-budget disney movies that are just fun to watch yeah maybe i'll have to check it out but nobody knows about them (laughs) the one i went with i had two from when i was growing up my first candidate was National Treasure. <laughs> I don't know why that stuck with me, oh, but I, that movie. I had to go with Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, I actually liked that movie so much that I bought the soundtrack. <laughs> but, um, it came out when I was in high school, and I just remember seeing it with my friends in the movie theater, and we quoted it, and Jack Sparrow was such a memorable character, and Will and... Uh, Miss Turner, what's her first name? Emma, Emily? I don't know. Anyway, Miss Swan. Elizabeth. Elizabeth, that's the one. And Barbosa. It was just, it was a fun movie. And I have watched it several times. The sequels kind of lose the magic of the first one. I don't hate them, but I haven't rewatched them near as much as the first one. I actually still haven't seen the last one. I'm going to watch it eventually, but yeah, after the fourth one, I think I saw it at a drive-in and we, um, me and a bunch of friends, uh, we went to the drive-in as like, Hey, let's go see the drive-in for once. And so we went and saw, uh, the, the fourth pirates movie and, um, I kind of fell asleep. <laughs> you know what? I've never seen the fourth one. We gave up after the third one, but we were at Disneyland visiting and in one of their theaters, they were doing like a 10 minute preview of the fifth pirates. So I was like, let's go see it. And so that's why we saw the fifth one. But I still to this day haven't seen the fourth one. Wow. Uh, hilariously, I bought like all of them, like all the three of the movies on, on Blu-ray or something like that back when they were out and lent them to my to my mom. And apparently one of the dogs got to them. <laughs> so they destroyed the packaging. So she's like, let me nah. buy you a new one. So when she bought it for me, she bought me the um, the chest. Uh, special edition that came they came in a, like mm. a treasure chest with four movies instead of three so i got a bonus out of it because the dogs chewed up on my dvd my blu-ray so so i got that so i'm gonna eventually i will watch them on the treasure chest blu-rays it's <laughs> <laughs> awesome all right so uh moving on to uh television cartoons and why don't you let us know what your favorite was so many to choose from. <clears throat> Again, I grew up during that era where there was Darkwing Duck and there's Gummy Bears and there's Gargoyles and Tailspin. But the one that my brother and I watched religiously was Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. I don't know why, even like in the old school 
Mickey Mouse cartoons, we always loved the ones that had Chip and Dell in them. They were just like always up to so many little shenanigans. And then when they came out with this cartoon, uh, we just like it was fun. There was adventure and they fleshed out a cast. And we just this was one show that we watched all the time. Nice. Um, I did watch the uh, movie, the reboot movie that came out uh, recently. And that was a lot of fun. I, I haven't. I it's it's good. You should watch it. It's here's good. the thing though, like the other cartoon that I grew up watching more than anything else was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh yeah. And as an adult, I went back to revisit it. It did not hit the same. I'm like, I cannot believe I like this. So I've been hesitant to watch the, the Chippendale movie just for that reason. I want to keep those but, memories intact. But it's it's definitely updated for modern era and has less of a 30 minute cartoon uh you know feel about it it's definitely feels like a movie and i think it was pretty good i've never actually watched uh chippendale rescue rangers i've only ever seen the first episode um so i thought it was good uh so i grew up uh before there were a massive amount of regular disney cartoons on tv and I didn't have cable for when the Disney Channel first came out. So I didn't see any of that stuff that when that was coming out then. So I actually don't really have a favorite Disney cartoon that was, you know, a serialized cartoon. Uh, I can't think of anything that I've watched. I mean, it was mainly just movies and shorts. So I don't have one for this. Well, and the thing for us is we didn't have the Disney Channel either, but they did have Saturday morning cartoons. Right. And we would get up. They started at what five in the morning, and we would get up and watch them every Saturday. Yeah. Oh, I I did that, but there was no. I don't think there was any Disney stuff on in the late seventies, early eighties when I was. No, you're probably right. So I didn't get to see anything. <laughs> you had <laughs> a deprived I, childhood. Yes, I know, right? Uh, live. I got Scooby Doo. Oh, Scooby Doo is good. Yeah. Uh, live action TV shows. Uh, so again, I'm going to cheat. And instead of one TV show, I'm going to say the wonderful world of Disney on Sunday nights every week on, I think it was ABC. Uh, my family would sit around and watch that almost every week for the entire, what was it? Eighties, early nineties, whenever it was late eight, all through most of the late eighties. Anyway, that was my that was my pick. I just loved ha- having all of the different movies and different things, and and that's where I saw a lot of the uh, mm. like re aired things from the seventies, like those seventies movies that I had that that were favorites and cartoons and whatnot. So yeah, that stuff. See, I didn't have that growing up. So we talked about this off the air. This is a cheat for me too, because as I was thinking about this one when I was younger, I kind of sort of remember like Davy Crockett, but. I don't want to say that because I don't remember anything about it. So the one I went with is a much more modern show. I went with Andor, um, the Star Wars series that was on Disney Plus this last year. It was so good. So good. So good that even if it wasn't a Star Wars show, it would stand on its own legs. The way that they developed the characters, every single one you cared about. And there was suspense and there was action and there was intrigue. And I was invested in this and I wish that there was more than two seasons, but can't wait for season two. Yeah. And uh, my wife and I agree all of your points with the the characters and the build and the suspense and everything and wishing the visuals. Yes. Yeah. I mean, filming it on location in Wales, I think it was. And having just those expanses of the the mountains and everything. I mean, it was just such an incredible show. Every week, you know, you were just like looking forward to it. And then what, yes. we, would, what we would do is every week, like uh, the day before the new episode was coming, we would watch last week so we could like <laughs> just experience a little bit more and be ready for the next episode. And I still am just boggled by the people who think that it was a really slow, boring show. I just, I don't understand how how that i mean i know th- things hit for different people but it just doesn't doesn't compute for me 
I could see like understanding the first three episodes. They were yeah. they're kind of slow. They well, the third bad, episode was good. Bad. Yeah, and I yeah. will say in that third episode when they were flying through the eye of the storm, that was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, all that that whole show, I, even <laughs> even the slow episodes was like crazy good. I'm like, because I mean, yeah, you're just like just building up the characters, just build it all up, build and build. Everything meant something in that show. Every dialogue, every action, they're just like building this tension. And then once the tension finally released, it like the payoff was worth it. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> now I gotta go watch that again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now we're gonna get into some uh, non uh, eyeballs on a screen stuff here, and let's go to the theme parks. Yes. And what is or what are your favorite theme park rides? So. I picked one in Disneyland and California Adventure. I've only been to Disney World once, and I only went to Epcot. So my experience there is limited. But at Disneyland, the ride I could ride over and over and over is Space Mountain. Um, I love that ride so much. Something about being in the dark, and even though I don't have much hair, feeling the wind... <laughs> over my like hair and head it's just incredible and i usually have like tears coming out of my eyes which is probably why i liked this other ride in california adventure it used to be called california screaming yeah screaming now it's called incredicoaster i haven't been since it's been rebranded but i know that's the name um i love that one because Again, it's just, it's fast and you go upside down and I could ride that all day. Yes. That was one of the ones, uh, both of those are ones that we would, uh, when we had uh, annual passes and the, when they got to the point where you could make uh, reservations with Max Pass on your phone, as soon as we walked into the park, we would book Space Mountain, like almost every day. Yes. So like Space Mountain, go to the shops for a few minutes until our thing, go whatever we were going to do. And then go on the ride and then just book the next one and just keep and but almost every time Space Mountain was our first one. And the Incredicoaster, I did get to go on after they rethemed it. And it is just as good of a ride with <laughs> some extra stuff, including uh the final, like near the end, um, mm. nice big scene uh with uh with Jack Jack. And it's really they did a really good job. Uh, yeah, it's great. Hopefully uh, I can make it out this year sometime. So during the year of Lorcana, the the 100th anniversary of Disneyland, Disney, I mean, it'd be a great time to go. Yeah. Um, so I picked two, and I picked both of them in Disneyland. Uh, even though the Incredicoaster is an awesome ride, I picked Jungle Cruise. Classic. Which, yes, classic. And I mainly picked it because I just love the lame jokes. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> love them. It's one of my favorite things. But. The newest, well, not the newest anymore, but one of the newest rides at Disneyland is also my favorite, and that's Rise of the Resistance, the new Star Wars ride, which is just incredible. With I've heard it. I've heard incredible things about it, and everybody that talks about it says, "I'm not going to say anything about it because I don't want to spoil it." Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't want to spoil it. It's just an amazing experience because it's not just a ride. You know, it's an experience, and. Huh. I mean, and it's and it lasts a long time, uh, much more than like you know a two minute roller coaster. Uh, I think from the moment you step into you know, from the line, you step into a room where you get your mission until you land. Uh, I think it's something like fifteen to twenty minutes. Wow, it's pretty it's pretty fun. That's so they did a really good job with that. I mean, I understand it's pretty difficult to get onto. Yes, yes. Uh, my previous favorite theme park rides uh, of just like the experience uh, was actually uh, in uh, Harry Potter, uh, the uh, Forbidden Journey, I think it's called. That ride was my previous favorite of all theme parks that I've been to, but now Rise of the Resistance takes it over as the number one theme park ride like ever. Um, but yeah, so Rise of the Resistance, if you want to get on it, basically you either have to pay like the $20 for the Genie Plus Lightning Lane Plus thing uh individual like per person 20 yeah. bucks yeah. or um you have to like 
get their rope drop, walk straight there and be willing to wait in line for up to an hour, which is fine because the line's usually like two hours. So you save a little bit of time. Uh, and we did that the one, like the last two times uh, we went, uh, we did actually do that wait and go and ride it just because we wanted to ride it one more time before our passes went out. Yeah. So also in the theme parks, uh, I'm going to let you go first on this one because you picked some classics with theme park food. Yeah, so I went with the turkey leg. And if you guys have never gone to turkey leg at Disneyland, these things are massive. Like, I don't even know how to describe it. They're massive. They have to be at least a pound and a half, right? It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. These things are huge, but they're delicious too. I don't know what they season it with, but the skin around it has this awesome taste to it. And like the meat on the inside is always so soft. Like they do it perfect every time. And then the other thing, it's funny because we were talking about this on Twitter today with the Disney Lorcana Twitter account. I put a Dole Whip and this is just like a classic. Like if you go to Disneyland and you've never had a Dole Whip before, you just have to do it. It's something you have to do. It's like a rite of passage and it's this soft serve ice cream and it's flavored like Dole Pineapple, but it's it like a cult so classic. Simple. Yeah, it sounds so simple, but it's so <laughs> yummy. It's like, oh, wait, I can get soft serve anywhere, but can you get pineapple soft serve? It's like, yeah, I can get pineapple frozen yogurt over at Yogurtland or something. It's like, but it's not the same. <laughs> it's Disneyland. And they even have one that said a Dole Whip float where they put it in uh, pineapple juice. Yes. Not it's terrible. Exactly. It's had pretty good. Too. And then they they now have like multiple flavors of Dole Whip at the, um, I can't remember, I think it's the, like the hideout or something that's behind uh, the Tiki Room. They added a new uh, mm. place with a little bit of, with treats and stuff. And now they have like raspberry and cherry and orange and they have all kinds of special treats now behind there. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> so I picked something that unfortunately for any of you who would go looking for it is no longer in the park. Um, at the Big Thunder Ranch Barbecue, uh, before it closed to make way for Galaxy's Edge. Uh, it was an all-you-can-eat place, but they also had dessert, and the desserts were an extra charge over the, the, the barbecue that you could get for all-you-can-eat. But they had a thing called the Chocolate Chip Cookie Bake. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever been to somewhere like BJ's or somewhere where they serve those uh, little tins that they bake a cookie and then put a, like a scoop of ice cream on top, yeah, you know, it's like basically a bear enough for two people maybe to have like some bites right <laughs> now imagine that like five times bigger so it was it's like, like a, a, it's like a pizza pie it was like a foot long oval dish that was about an inch deep and they put three scoops of ice cream on top and then drizzled fudge on it and basically it was like a meal in itself but it was <laughs> the best uh, was we actually, chocolate chip you said chocolate and they actually had some seasonal ones too where they did different flavors but it was a chocolate chip cookie that was as you mentioned like the turkey leg was like a pound and a half this is like a pound of cookie <laughs> and three scoops of vanilla bean ice cream oh it was into a coma yes exactly <laughs> what we would do is we would because you had to get reservations to go to the ranch if it was super busy mm-hmm. and so we would get a reservation and then we would go and eat like something small, like we would share something at Rancho del Zocalo, like a burrito or something. So we would not fill up on it. And then we would go there for our reservation and just have <laughs> dessert. <laughs> it was because, I mean, if you're going to do all you can eat, I mean, you're going to be stuffed and you have no room for dessert. So true. So you do all you can eat when you want to just do all you can eat. But then when you want that dessert, you eat something else or don't <laughs> eat it at all before you go there, because then you have room for it. Yeah, the first time we tried it, we did the all-you-can-eat and then had that. And oh my goodness, I was like, yeah, I basically just roll me out of Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> like the Oompa after yeah. the girl ate it, the berry. I, but the things you can get now that I, I definitely say are top of the list are the, is the, um, the chicken at Plaza Inn. Uh, like the turkey leg that is always perfectly prepared and it is, they, they infuse some kind of like a dopamine hit drug in that chicken or something to get people. I mean, it's like, Oh, it's so good. Um, But anyway, that's my favorite. Nice. Uh, So now we're going to move on to 
collectible things that you would get that are Disney related. And this could be like, I mean, obviously now Lorcana is technically a Disney collectible, but I mean, across lifetime of things, not just the parks, but I might, I picked from the parks and I picked mugs and puzzles. We have multiple Disney mugs that we've bought over the years that we, uh, that we drink our tea in. And we just like, you know, what do you want today? Luke and Leia or Mickey and Minnie or, you know, basically because we have a mug for each of us. So it's, it's pretty awesome that we, you know, and we just have all these mugs, all these princess mugs and Mickey and Minnie. And I mean, it's just awesome. And then of course, puzzles, because I love puzzles. And uh, so I have, you know, puzzles that I've done puzzles that I have waiting to do. I have a stack of Disney ones that's, you know, like a million feet tall, but anyway, mugs and puzzles. My wife is definitely a mug person. Uh, for me personally, when I was a kid, I collected, and I guess this falls under the Disney umbrella now, but I collected the Star Wars action figures, the three and three quarter inch ones. I had a paper route that I started when I was eight and I worked until I was about 16. And I had, I think like 134 action figures is kind of what I remember counting. And I had a lot of the ships and some of the play sets. And one of them, I was going through it when we moved down here almost a year ago. I have this uh, two-pack. It's uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn and Talon card. And it came with a comic book behind it. And it's still in the box. And I was like, I wonder how much I could get this. I wonder how much it sells for on eBay. And so I looked it up. It was like 300 bucks. Yeah. But I mean, Thrawn is my my guy, so I can't sell it. No. And I really liked Talon card from the series. So anyway, that's probably the only thing that I really collected um, Disney, but definitely Lorcana coming up. Now. Your Lorcana pins. <laughs> yes, that's right. I have both of the Lorcana pins. So now I just wanted to kind of just like, because Disney uh, for both of us has been like a thing that just moves throughout life of like entertainment and, um, you know, going to Disney, Disneyland and whatnot. What are some memories that you have of just a Disney thing that are your favorites? Sure. When you put this on here, I was thinking of it like three chapters two I've completed one I have yet to complete but the first was I went to Disneyland as a kid um I went when I was seven and nine and that's just like a rite of passage thing for kids I remember the one time we went like that's when characters were still out and about and you could just walk up to them I tried collecting as many autographs as I could and we we're getting it was I actually think it was Chip and Dell's signatures because obviously we wanted to get their autographs and we walk up to them and the one grabs my book and runs off <laughs> just like books it out of there and he turns around and like you know beckons to us to come after him so we start running after him and he was running to the parade and so when we got there he signed it and we got to watch the parade. So we just had memories like that. Um, the next, the second chapter was um, Disneyland as an adult. I actually went by myself one time. And if you've never been to Disneyland by yourself, it was pretty awesome. Because <laughs> you don't have anybody else's schedule. You can just do what you want, when you want, at your own pace. And it was pretty fun. This was before Star Wars Land opened. So I'm still itching to go do that and the last thing i'd like to do is um take my own kids there and that's something that i hope i can do here soon all right and so for me uh there's a few things and i think almost all of them are disneyland related um there was of course the story i told uh in the first uh podcast i was on here about uh my parents telling us we were going to breakfast and ending up at Disneyland. That surprised. That was one of my greatest memories as a child uh, going to Disneyland. I don't remember much else about Disneyland when I was a kid. <laughs> right. Uh, but I remember that. Um, but I did, uh, they did it a few times and I managed to get to the last one they did uh, back about 
six years ago, they did what they do called the 24 hour Disney day, where the, when the park opens one day, it doesn't close until 7am or 8am, whatever it is the next day. And you can stay in the park for 24 hours. How cool. I had to work. So I didn't get to stay in the park for the entire 24 hours, but I showed up after a half day at work around one o'clock. And as I was at the gate to get in, there was a nice long line, of course, and I'm waiting in line. And when I'm about 10 people from the gate, I turn around and look behind me and there's only about three people behind me in line and all of the lines are short. No, what's going on? They're like, we closed the line, like three people after I got in line. Oh, so I was like, Oh, thank you. So I went into the park and I spent, I, I was in the park and I, you know, got to watch the paint the night parade when it premiered. And I, you know, just basically went through the park and spent the entire time until they kicked us out the next day, next morning. And I was like one of the last people they were like shoving <laughs> down Main Street. So that was just an awesome experience. Um, watching the one, the non-Disneyland one is, is my favorite TV show, The Wonderful World of Disney on Sunday Nights. Mm-hmm. Just being able to every week having something like that to watch with my family. Uh, we were a TV watching family, but that was always you know, Disney was always the cool thing uh, as, a, as a kid growing up. So it was always fun having that on Sunday nights. Um, the, my wife and I got annual passes when uh, we were we first started dating back like 2011, 2010, somewhere in that range. And we had them up until last year, uh, except for, of course, during the pandemic. Um, and just having an annual pass to be able to go with my wife and just hang out all the time was awesome. Uh, so that's a memory, basically a, a decade of memories. But the one thing I will say that uh, probably is the one that emotionally hit me the hardest was we got reservations for Galaxy's Edge when it opened and we managed to get mm. the first, not, you know, cast previews were like the week before, but the first public right. Right. opening day, the morning of Galaxy's Edge and being near the front of the line and <laughs> just going under that, uh, you know, the, the entrance tunnel and going and seeing just that first part of Galaxy's Edge. And man, I started crying <laughs> and, you know, it was hard to breathe. And it was just the emotion of having been a Star Wars fan for 40 years and being in Star Wars. So it was, just, cool. it was just a, it was just an amazing experience and that feeling lesser, of course, but you know, that feeling hit me almost every single time I went into galaxy's edge of I'm in star Wars. So mm. that, that right there to me is, I know it's something that they bought later, but that to me is what Disney magic is, you know, being able yeah. to do something for that, for someone, you know, like you said, the chip, or Dale, whoever it was, grabbing your book and running and like making you chase them. That's that's Disney magic to me, which is awesome. And little things like that to the big things of building a billion dollar extension on a theme park. All of that to me is Disney. Yeah. And that leads back to Lorcana with how much detail they seem to be paying attention by digging into the books. And I agree. All these characters and finding these awesome artists and doing such amazing art that we've seen only what thirteen cards so far. Well, not just the cards, but the packaging, like everything has such exquisite detail. Yeah, I can't wait to see more. Yeah. So <laughs> now we're going to get to, uh, I don't know, it's not boring stuff, but newsy stuff. Uh, did we get any news since we last recorded? Well, here's the thing. They actually dropped a lot of tidbits today on Twitter. Because what I had written down here was they had the London, German, and Canadian toy fairs. London was last week. Germany and Canadian are going on this week. Um, And the big thing, I think the one in Germany, uh, Shane Hartley is going to be there. And he's like head of the global game (laughs) uh, department of Lorcana and and Ravensburger in general. But if you look at his list on LinkedIn, Lorcana is listed as like the top thing. So I have a feeling that something will happen there, but I also have a feeling that we're just going to get a bunch of NDAs, non-disclosure <laughs> agreements. Yeah. Like we did with the London toy fair. Which all we got out of that was like, Hey, look, the pins now have card backs. 
which look <laughs> cool, but they're still saying two pins. And then some mysterious, mysterious pamphlet that we know nothing about what's on the inside. What I would give. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. I uh, DM'd as many people as I saw that had one of those. Nobody, and like, can't say anything. Nobody was followed for it. But uh, today they did tweet out about starter decks, which we already knew about starter decks. They didn't really reveal anything new in that tweet. But then they answered a lot of questions. Yeah. Yeah, and I actually have a lot of them pulled up here. Um, the Lurkana Talks Twitter account asked them if the deck boxes within the trove were the same or different, and they said they're different. I assume that was the case, but they kind of confirmed that. Um, somebody, this was an account called Double H Collectibles. They said, are the two character foils able to be pulled from packs talking about the two foils in the starter decks or are they only available in starter decks and they said these are not exclusive to the starter decks so you can find them in booster packs as well so now we know that the foils are not exclusive to the starter decks i followed that up with um what about the hades and mulan foils in the gift set and then they said they will also be available in the boosters there are no cards exclusive to our sets. We want everyone to have a chance to collect all their favorites. There was one about the D23 foil, and I think that was basically just confirming that the D23 foil is unique to that set, and the foil that they're going to use on the one-per-pack foils in the first chapter will be a different foil treatment. Correct. Yeah. So there were some tidbits in there. It was like... Nothing mind blowing, but definitely good confirmation that, you know, like the cards in the starters and such you can find in boosters. So you don't have to buy the starters. I actually made this meme as the one of Oprah and where she's giving away the cards, but I sent it to the Lorcana team and it says, Oprah, is you get a question answered and you get a question answered and you get a question answered. You all get questions answered because that's kind of what it felt like today. They were just. Yeah going crazy answering everybody's questions it was it was really cool today they were in the office today <laughs> that's right <laughs> back to work Manning the stations uh and also what else happened is of course with the announcement uh a couple weeks ago with um from ign article it was revealed that they're going to be at gen con and gen con tickets went on sale on the 29th and you bought your ticket I and did. People we know about our ticket, and I'm probably not going to buy a ticket because it is very expensive to go out there. And um, I choose not to think about that part. Yeah, right. <laughs> I got I got Comic Con I got to pay for this year, so that's my that's a a massive bulk of my convention money goes to that. So you don't get any kind of hookup. Uh, no, I still have to pay the three hundred dollar a night hotel, and uh, yeah, it's it's, I mean. As, as covering it as press with the blog, I do get uh, my badge comped, but that's it. I have to wait in line like everybody else. I have to buy exclusives like everybody else if I want those. I got to wait in line for panels. I get nothing. Uh, except for there's a press room where I can go and sit and, and relax, and there's sometimes snacks in there. Well, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, if you want to go to Gen Con, it's in Indianapolis, August 3rd through 6th. Uh, tickets are on sale now. I think a four-day pass is $135 plus fees. Yeah, I, I did the four-day pass, and I got the $15 fee for them to mail it to me. So it was like $165 total. Right. That's not bad at all. I think Comic-Con is up to nearly $400 for the four and a half days or four days, whatever, depending on whether you get preview night. So uh, Comic-Con is definitely a much bigger convention, but... It's not a bad price at all, especially since you can play tons of games. You can get Lorcana first before anybody else. Yes. So there you go. I cannot wait. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I can't wait for everyone to go, but I'm going to be like, uh, Jared, can you pick me up a couple of starter <laughs> decks and I'll drive out to Vegas, which is a lot cheaper, and pick them up from you? <laughs> I can't tell you how many people I've been messaging on Twitter and Instagram and discord being like we need a meetup it's gonna be so much fun yeah. that's that's one of the reasons why i mean that's really the main reason i wanted to go was to be a part of that community experience of getting to play yeah. 
and getting the stuff for the first time and sitting there in the hotel rooms at night playing games and putting decks together. Man, that's going to be a great time. I can't wait. Sad James. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now it's time for me to quiz you in Disney Jeopardy. All right. I'm ready. All right. So for $100, we're going to do characters. Okay. For 100, what is the monkey in the Lion King's name? What is Rafiki? Yes, of course, you are correct. (laughs) All right. And for 200, what is the name of the prince from Princess and the Frog? Oh, my gosh. That's one I don't know that well. I don't know. I've only ever seen it once. But I did guess it right, mainly because of, uh, again, my Disney Magic Kingdoms game and also seen the character at Disneyland. It is Prince Naveen. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. All right. For 300, who helps Yzma in her plot to kill the emperor? Who is Kronk? Yes, indeed. For 400, in Pocahontas, what is the raccoon's name? Oh, it's something like Pico, but I think it's uh, Nico. I'm going to say, what is Nico? So close. Did you say it with an N or an M? I, oh, I said it with an N like Nancy. It is Miko. Miko. So I'm, t- I'm taking it, though. 99% correct. <laughs> you get, of a 400-point question, you get 399 points. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and the final for 500. Uh oh, here we go. In Disney's Sword in the Stone, what is the owl's name? <laughs> <laughs> I would never get this. The owl? The owl. I don't know. Uh, I'm probably going to butcher this a little bit, but Archimedes? Archimedes? Wow. Yeah. I got I two right. But you got three right, didn't you? If we. Well, I got Rafiki. Got Rafiki. Kind of got Miko. You got uh, Kronk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You basically okay. got Miko. Well, we'll call it two and a half. You got 2.9. 2.9. Okay, okay, 2.9. Above average. <laughs> All, All right. right. And next time we're going to have to find some new topics. So we'll see how that goes. Okay, and with that, if you liked what you heard, click like, subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at Citizens of Lorcana or subscribe to this podcast. James, where can they find you? I am everywhere online at Dan Regal, or you can check out geekshotphoto.com for uh, links for my wife and I and our photography and all of that. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you. See you later. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.